Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you today. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? I'll bet you did, huh? Yeah, how many of you woke up way too early today? It's awful. I think I woke up at 3.30 thinking, that's about time. I go, oh, and it's not about time. So, uh, and by the way, how many as you get older, you less and less sleep? Uh, anybody? Isn't that the worst? It started happening to me about, well, it hasn't happened to me. I'm not old. Right? No, it started to happen. <laughs> it started to hit me about four or five years ago. I go, what's wrong with me? And I just don't sleep as much as I used to. And, and yet I could take a nap in the afternoon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it's balancing out somehow. And stuff like that. Well, today we're going to continue in our uh, uh, second part of Acts, Arrival Part 2. And as I told you last week, I want to lead off always, I'm going to try to do, it's an experiment. I'll lead off with a verse that we're going to read at the beginning of every message. It just, it's just a verse, and this one has to do with the Bible itself. Nothing to do with the message, but just kind of get us to learn verses throughout the year. So we'll stay in this one for a couple months. <clears throat> and this verse is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. If you're at home, please read it out loud with us. All of us read it out loud here. It's good to give attention to the public reading of Scripture, New Testament says. So here we go. One, two, three. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, last week I shared one piece of it, and that says all Scripture is inspired by God. Uh, literally, the idea is God, God breathed. All Scripture is inspired by, by the Holy Spirit. Yes, written by men, but the inspiration comes from God. And so today I'll just tell you another word in there. It says it's profitable. The Scriptures are profitable. And the word profitable uh, means advantageous, is what it literally means. So it's, it's very advantageous to our, to our lives. And if you go to the root word of that word, it means to accumulate and to heap up. So if you live out the word of God, there are things in your life, and I'm not talking money per se, this, it may, I don't know, but uh, you'll start to accumulate good things in your life, such as wisdom, different things like that. Amen to that one? Amen. So there's a real profitability to the word of God. So today, we're going to look at how do I live a genuine faith, and we're going to go in Acts chapter 9, so we'll be there in a second, but in the beginning, I want to ask you this question, and that's this, what does it mean when something is a knockoff? What does that mean? It's not real, right? Okay, I, I got another question with that question. Have any of you ever bought a knockoff? Okay, I got a better question. Have any of you ladies ever bought a knockoff? Okay, ladies, if you bought a knockoff, just real quick, two or three, raise your hand. If it can be shared out loud, what knockoff did you buy? Raise your hand. I got a call out. What'd you buy, sis? A purse. A purse? What kind of purse? Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton? Was it like Louis Baton and like in Espanol? I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. Okay. What did what, you get, Beth? Katie Spade bracelet. A bracelet? Katie Spade. Katie Spade? Yeah. What? Katie Spade. Oh, I'm so sorry. Wow, I didn't get it right over there. Okay. Get it right. You know. Okay. okay. Uh, one more uh, knockoff. <laughs> Anybody else get it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. A Rolex watch. Did Richard buy that for you? <laughs> Here you go, babe. Here's a knockoff Rolex. <laughs> that sounds just like him, by the way. No, I'm just joking. Now, now um, let me reverse that one. Have you ever bought something you thought was genuine but was a fake? I'm not talking about a spouse, but something you purchased. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Uh, I'm a jokester, okay? We got an extra hour sleep tonight, all right? Ever buy something you thought was genuine and it turned out wasn't real, wasn't real? Isn't that something too? Only one of them? I've done the same thing too in my life. I'll, hopefully I'll never do that again. So today, we're going to talk about what does real uh, faith look like? As You know, I try to veer away from the word Christian. I like the words follower of Christ or disciple because how many know that everybody's a Christian in America for the most part? We, we got to look at what the scriptures say because the word believe in the book gospel of John means basically jump in both feet first. You're in the deep end all the way. You get on the Yellow Brick Road and you don't turn back. Amen? 
And that's what really a Christian's all about. So let's look at what real faith, genuine faith looks like from Acts chapter 9. And when we get there, there'll be three points, and we'll use Ananias, and we'll use uh, Saul as they interact, and, what that, and with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, I should say, interacting with them, what does a real follower of Christ look like? What makes him genuine? So Acts chapter 9, if you turn there, I'm going to do some light commentary over 18 verses, and by the way, today's an unusual day, because we have a lot, a lot of verses to read. If you're looking at your notes, you see that. Amen to that one? Okay, good. Four of you look at your notes, but here we go. Now, in verse 1, it says, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now Saul is fresh off one of his latest campaigns, and that is the stoning of Stephen. Remember that one in Acts chapter 7? So Saul was the ringleader in that, and Saul's whole idea is he wants to stomp out all Christianity. He wants to stomp out all this Jesus stuff. He wants to get rid of all of it, okay? Now, I need to say something about that, and that that is this. Um, How many know that still happens in our world today? I mean, there are still plenty of places in the world they just want to stomp out Christianity. And I will tell you that I feel like America is moving that way little by little. That's my strong opinion by what I observe. That pretty soon, as if they keep pushing it, they're going to make my, our biblical stance, what God says about certain things, they're going to make that pure hate speech and we're not going to be able to share those things and possibly get arrested one day. How many know what I'm talking about? If you say, oh, Jim, you're exaggerating, go back and read Jesus' own words after he's leaving the Last Supper from about John 14 to John 17, those chapters, and you're going to see what he says. And one of the things he says is this. He says, there'll come a day when they will murder you, disciple of Christ, thinking that they are actually serving God by murdering you. Is that a crazy statement or what? That's not a Jim statement. That's a Jesus statement. And so don't think it cannot happen here because it's happened all over the world. Now, today actually... Today is the national, international, I'm sorry, international day of prayer for the persecuted church because they're being persecuted all over the world. I mean, and I get readouts from the, from the uh, missionaries that we support here, your tithes go to them. And it's incredible what's happening out there in the world. So can I take 10, 20, 30 seconds and let's pray for the international church. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that we still live in a place where we're free to share these things. But there are plenty of places in the world they're not. There are plenty of places in the world where if they lead someone to Christ, they, get, they can be put in prison for the rest of their lives. That's wild. There are places where Christians are being killed, persecuted, Lord, for their faith, that they're not free to practice this. And so, God, I pray for the international persecuted church for many Christians that are locked up in prisons worldwide just because they're believers in Jesus. I pray for the churches and places that have to be underground because the state wants to run and control those churches and know everything that's going on, so they must go underground. God, I pray for a freedom, I pray for a safety, and I pray for an expansion, God, for the international persecuted church. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen, amen and amen. Okay, let's, let's go on here. Verse 2. Now this Saul, he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that they found any belonging to the way. The way is Christianity. They called it the way at that moment. Both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, he's traveling to Damascus from Jerusalem. I think it's like 130 miles or something like that. And... Uh, Scholars estimate that there's probably about 40 synagogues in Damascus. And so if you think about that, that means that if he's going to go there to these synagogues looking for Christians, that means the Jewish born-again believers are still affiliating themselves with the synagogues at that time. Now, like I said before, he has just, um, Saul has just led all, whoever they are, all the people with him, to, in the stoning of Stephen to stomp out Christianity. So his goal is, I'm going to go there, I'm going to get more Christians, I'm going to bring them back, I'm going to put them in jail, we're going to put an end to this. Question, does he ever finish the mission? He is never going to finish that mission. I mean, he wants to, 
He's going there to kill the heretics with those who disagree, but he will never finish the mission because God's going to get a hold of him. Verse 3, as he was traveling, it happened that, that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. Now, this really hard, tough nut, angry guy, he gets hit by a light from God and instead of now arresting others, he is arrested by God. Amen to that one? Now, do you know any hard nut people in total? Nope, I'm not going to be a Christian. Anybody know anybody like that? Well, just know that's what this guy's all about. And he thinks, nope, uh -uh, I'm not turning into a Christian. And he's going to leave this moment becoming a Christian. Amen to that one? Now, I want, I want you to think about this. What, what, what helped uh, in him becoming a Christian? Well, he's just heard Stephen's message. Remember that? Stephen preached the whole message, and so he's listening to the gospel. Now, verse 4. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, stop right there. If you fall to the ground, hear a voice from heaven, call your name, are you going to be attentive, right? Okay, good. We're all on the same page. Verse 5. And he said, here's Saul's answer, Who are you, Lord? It's a good answer. He's got to be the Lord. He's speaking from heaven. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, if I'm Saul, I'm thinking, what? Okay, okay, okay. I've come here to stomp out this movie. Wait, wait a minute. Gee, wait, gee, gee, you died. Wait a minute. You died on a tree. Old Testament says, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Therefore, you're cursed. And then I'd say, this cannot be happening. Because you died and you are cursed. This cannot be happening. But here's my question. At this moment in time, <clears throat> what does he now realize? He's wrong. And he's been wrong for a long time. And he's actually been fighting against God. This is what he's realizing. Now, um, in a couple weeks, chapter 11, we're going to talk about an idea like that. But think about real quick in his life. Everything that he's ever learned the things his family taught him everything about this Jesus thing it's all wrong he's realizing this Jesus is actually the Messiah the one I'm killing his followers okay <clears throat> let's read on verse 6 but get up Jesus continued but get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do huh now we find out that Christians, once one of the person becomes a follower of Christ, they have something that God wants them to do. Amen to that one? Now, look at verse 7. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. Verse 9. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Huh. Now, I want to give you a couple thoughts here. This is a reversal because before this moment, Saul, his physical eyes are open, but his spiritual eyes were closed, correct? Now in this moment, you have a reversal where now his spiritual eyes are open, but his physical eyes are? What a, what a difference, huh? So you see this reversal in his life right there. Now, let me give you a little side shot on this to just uh, maybe help you with the visuals, something like that. How many of you like doing your, you like taking pictures? You're, you like photography? Raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand. I just got to know. Okay, just don't be afraid. Okay, okay. so now, I know nowadays it's all digital. I'm, I don't know anything about it. Okay, right? Right, okay. Now, back in the 70s when I was a young man, I bought myself a Canon AE-1 camera back then. Anybody remember those cameras? Yeah, yeah I bought it. Unfortunately, somebody broke into our house late 80s, stole my camera. But, um, but I had the camera. And back then, you get the film, you know, put in the camera, and you take your pictures. And on a camera, when you take a picture, the shutter opens very quick, right? Light comes in, shutter closes. Back in the darkness, you take that film, and you would go down to whatever place, one hour photo, whatever. Remember those places like that? Whatever you go to. And they would take it into a dark room and they would develop the, the picture, right? Correct? Yes. Okay. And the image, boom, would show. 
Well, think about Saul. In a moment of time, it was like, like that camera, the old days. The light hits, the shutter opens in his spiritual mind and eyes. And then he's blinded in that moment. And he's blind for three days. And the only image, the only thought he has is, I am Jesus, and I'm going to tell you what to do. And for three days, he's in darkness. In those darkness, he's going, he's in the dark room of development. Then the only image, the only thought, the only thing in his heart is Jesus. It's in the, the light, when the shutter opened of his life spiritually, and closed again. And so when he's prayed for, and it's fully developed, this guy is a complete follower of Christ. Does that make sense? No, does it make sense? Okay. So you see this kind of idea happening in his life right there. Now, verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Good answer. Verse 11. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. That's a good idea, Saul. I'm glad you're praying. Verse 12. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So Saul's getting this vision. The guy named Ananias is coming. Ananias has been told by God, go pray for this guy over here. Now, here's what I like. And just a quick sidebar. You like, you like sidebars? Okay, good. Um, you have Ananias coming to this house where Saul is. The owner of the house is Judas. Interesting. We've heard the names Ananias and Judas in the past, have we not? Ananias is the one who lied about selling the property for so much. Boom, you're lying, you're dying. Judas is the one who sold Jesus. These are not the same Ananias and Judas. It's almost like the Holy Spirit has taken two names that were messed up by people in the past and redeeming those two names. Amen to that one? I like stuff like that. Maybe you don't, but I do. Verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. This is, he's contesting now. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. He goes, you know what? You want me to go pray for that guy? I heard about that guy. I don't want to go near that guy. Okay, now verse 15. Here's what God says. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the, say it, Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. In other words, suffering for doing the right thing. Too many Christians suffer for their sins and think I'm being persecuted. No, you're suffering for sins. Verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that terminology again we find in Acts chapter 2. We see the filling of the Spirit, the empowering. Verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. Now, what's the big question that Ananias has for Jesus when Jesus tells him, go pray for the man named Saul. What's the big question in Ananias' mind? Are you sure? Is he really a Christian? Because his track record says he murders Christians. How do I know he really is? Now, now, here, I, I was thinking about this, and I just, Saturday morning, I was just spinning this mess in my mind. I thought, here's the best analogy I have for what he's really, how many of you are Marvel fans? At least the movies that they used to make. I don't know about them now. But uh, how many have seen like Infinity Wars and Endgame? Raise your hand. Okay, Rick, keep them up. Okay, all going to heaven. Right there. Okay. <laughs> Who is the villain in those wars? Thanos. And remember that scene in Endgame where they're all there and they're battling each other and then Doctor Strange opens up the portals and they all come. Remember that one right there and you got all pumped up? Remember that? Okay. Here's the thought that came into my mind. I, I think it's the Spirit of God. Just to give us an idea. Ananias is saying, I don't think he's the real deal. H how do I know he's real? Now, Saul becoming a Christian would be like, for us Marvel fans, would be like Thanos converting and becoming an Avenger. 
Does that make sense? You know that's like, that don't happen. Well, neither has happens here with this guy unless the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, showed up and revealed himself to him. Amen? That is really the equivalent because this guy is so drastically opposite of being an Avenger Christian, but all of a sudden he's, he is, and God said, no, 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 he's the real deal. He's the real guy. So I want to talk about, pull out three things. What does a genuine follower of Christ look like, smell like, act like in all the interaction between Jesus and Elias and Saul? Number one in your notes, and that's this. Genuine faith accepts God's people. Genuine faith accepts God's people. It's a very simple thing, but it's not easy to live all the time. Now look at verse 17. Put it up on the screen. Now let's read this all together. Here we go. All together. One, two, three. So Ananias departed and entered the house. After laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and okay now <clears throat> does he call him hey uh, brother murder <laughs> or you know or you know you're, you're the one who dragged out my high school best friend and his family and had him killed uh, Saul or does he call him brother Saul he calls him brother Saul now Brother is, um, that's like a family term, is it not? Now, and by the way, let me give you a side, side note here. I love the fact that in Christianity, it doesn't matter where you're from, what you're from, who you are, you this and that, you and I are brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? And that's why I enjoy saying to people, hey, bro, hey, sis, thanks, sis, thanks, bro. I like that. I have so even taken that outside of church to non-believers, if somebody does something, I go, hey, thanks, sis. They look at me like, well, I'm not your sister, you know. So, but I, but I do that. That's just the way, the way I operate now. I'm so used to it in church. Plus the fact, I can't remember all your names. <laughs> so it's easier, hey, thanks, sis. No, I'm just Okay, now, <clears throat> now, family, family, family. Brother Saul. So there's an acceptance of the family of God. Question. In family, in healthy families, do healthy families hang out together? Yes. Yeah, they get together. Healthy families do. See, the thing about a genuine believer, let me put it in another frame. I can collect baseball cards all my life and yet never go to a game, never even watch one on TV, right? I can collect the cards, but never be part of it. I, I mean, that's a possibility. How many dog lovers? Okay, how many dog lovers with the arm up don't own a dog? Ah, there we go, right there. Okay, I'm not, I don't mean to point you out. But I can be a dog lover all my life, but never own a dog, right? Never even want to go around a dog. Well, it's, that's, that's a problem. I'm saying I'm a dog lover, but oh, are you really a dog lover? And see, as a Christian, I can say, well, I'm a, I love the family of God, but I never go around the family of God. Now, let's take that further. In families, you know your family. Do you know? Look, you grew up with your family. You know your family's failures and mistakes and successes. Do you not? You know it all, don't you? Now, in a healthy family, you know that, but in a healthy family, you still, for the moment, you get together, don't you? Yeah, that's what healthy families do. And so here we are under the blood of Christ, and we're family, a genuine believer. You know, I know, I know this, but I, I call you brother Saul, I call you sister this. You know, you don't call somebody, you're this, and you're that, and you're that. He calls him brother Saul. He could have called him murderer Saul, because that's what he was. Now, <clears throat> Watch what John, New Testament apostle, what he says about others and loving others and stuff like that. This is genuine. This is what genuine looks like. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Oh, yikes. That hurt, didn't it? What is he really saying? He's saying this, that I prove my love for God by loving others. The proof that I love God, the proof is that I love others. Jesus even told 
the, the apostle disciples, and he, said, he called them disciples in this verse. He said, the world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. He said disciples. And then he adds a new category, and he says in those verses, he says, um, and you're to love each other just as I have loved you. Are you kidding me? So I'm supposed to love people the way you love? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. He says, then, and only then, people will know you are my disciples. Now, you as a parent, what's one of the greatest things you can experience as a parent? And that is that your kids love each other and hang out with each other. Amen to that one? Hey, raise your hands, parents, if you know that. Okay, so I have grandkids now, and I got another one due at like in a half second. But... <laughs> It's just, really, it's literally, uh, literal. Um, but uh, I, I watched like two of Nathan's kids. Nathan's, there's Lincoln, she's a little over two, and there's Nolan, and he's almost 11 months. And Nolan, he's at that age where he can hold on to someone and stand up and stuff like that. And, and Lincoln, she's like, she's like crazy, okay? She's everywhere. But she loves to hug Nolan and kiss him, and, and she'll sit there and she hugs him, and, and he's like, ah. <laughs> Because she's suffocating the guy, man. Leave the guy alone. Poor guy. But she loves that kid. And she calls him Bootsy. Bootsy. And she goes, she, I'm going to go torment him now. But, but, but we watch this and it's like, it's so cute, isn't it? That she loves her brother, right? Yes. And it gives you great joy as a parent and grandparent. That gives God great joy. When we love each other. When we love each other in family. That makes you genuine. That makes you real. Now, let somebody in this room is saying, yeah, see, that's why you Christians, you're not real because this and that. I need you to just take a look at yourself because you have a harder heart just by thinking that. You're supposed to love people. That's what humans do. That's what genuineness is all about. Okay, let's move on because I got too heavy, right? Okay, good. Number two, the second genuine thing about it, uh, genuine faith responds to the Lord's calling. Genuine faith says, okay, God wants me to do something. I'm going to do it. I'm going to respond. Now, look at verses 6, 15, 16, and 20. Read them with me. One, two, three, go. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. Now, verse 15. One, two, three. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 20. Continue. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. Does Saul get up and start doing what he's supposed to be doing? You better believe he gets on it right away. Now, can I give you five real quick thoughts on that? Yes or no? Okay, I want you to, okay, the first thought is this. He is told to get up and go to the what? The city. That's step one, right? He's not going to get the assignment until he gets up and goes to the city. They've got to lead him by the hand. Now, you've got to take your steps to follow the will of God, what God wants you specifically to do. It's not just like, oh, I know, I got saved, I know everything. No, you don't. Now, how many of you like me, mine used to be bifocals, now they're progressive, which is three-focal or whatever you call it. How many wear that now? How many wear bifocals and above? How many wear bifocals and above and you have stairs in your home? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to know. That's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Because no matter how many times you go up there, sometimes you miss a... Because you're looking at the wrong one, right? And it's, it's, it's a crazy feeling. How many know what I mean? So when you miss a step, you tend to stumble. Do you not? Because same thing in your faith. Same thing in what you do for God. God wants you to do this. If you jump steps, you're going to stumble. It's not going to work. You can't jump steps because within the steps is character development. Amen to that one? Now, let me give you the second thought, and that's this. <clears throat> Who picked the mission for Saul? Saul or Jesus? Yeah, I like that. I like that Jesus picked the mission because Jesus is the one who's gifted me for a certain thing to do. I wouldn't have picked it. Question, do you think ever in my wildest imagination as a teenager, early 20s, or even when I got saved that I go, I'm going to be a Bible teacher? You think I ever thought that? No, I still thought I was going to be the next Ted Nugent. I thought I was going to be a rock star. That's what I thought, man. Ted Nugent, 70s rocker, 
in case you don't know that, okay. Okay, okay, good, good, okay, good. So he picks your mission. You don't pick your mission. Let me give you the third thought, and that's this. Within, God picks you to do something. Why does my hand get to function as a hand? Because it's formed as a hand. It's pretty simple, huh? And the way it's formed is denotes or dictates the way it functions, correct? The way you and I are formed by God, gifts, abilities, talents, is the way we are to function in life. Does it not? Is it not? Never forget that. You don't want to gift project and try to, I want to, be, I want to have that gift. That's not who you are. I mean, I wish I could play lead guitar. I can't. It's terrible. I go, hey, can I join the band? They go, no, you can't. <laughs> wow, I used to be the band leader back in the 90s when I started the church. But now they say, stay away. I, I get it, okay? Let me give you the fourth thought. Um, Saul <clears throat> is to minister, for what was the first statement of a group of people that was stated in verse 15? To the what? Gentiles. But Saul decides to go to the Jews, and he tries to go to the Jews. He tries and he tries, and he finally gets just frustrated. So he goes, and he lives in another city, and it's not till chapter 12, I believe, maybe it's chapter 11, I think it's 11 at the end, that Barnabas goes to get him because Gentiles are being saved. He brings Saul along with him, and the rest is history because Saul is called primarily, not exclusively, to minister to Gentiles, is he not? Have you ever noticed in life that, um, that just a little tweak or a little movement changes, can change everything for you? They're out there on that boat after the resurrection. Hey, children, did you catch anything? Jesus says, no, nothing. We'll throw the net on the other side. All kinds of fish. Just a little movement, right? Just, you know, don't do it there, do it right here. And that's just true in life. It could be a little bit of movement, a little bit of, no, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this. Because this is how you're geared. This is what your passion is. This is what you're supposed to do. And so some of us, we didn't take that advice. Amen to that one? Now, let me give you the, yeah, I have one more thought on this one. Um, and this is for those of you that serve uh, in places. Now, Ananias, does he want to go minister to Saul? The answer is no. Did Moses want to go back and minister in Egypt? No, they're both terrified. They, um, they're going to kill me. I, I don't trust these people right there. But they go there, and Ananias, he prays, for Saul to be filled with the power of the Spirit, because Saul's a believer by now. He calls Jesus Lord. And so, um, and so now, this guy, Saul, is going to turn the world upside down. Correct? Correct? Yes. Okay. When you teach a Sunday school class, there's little kids out there. When you're a leader in the student ministries, and you're ministering to teenagers, and you lead some of these kids or students to Christ. Some of those kids and some of those students, they're going to turn around and turn the world upside down for Jesus, aren't they? Amen. And you were the one who was influential. That's why Sunday school teachers and assistants, you may be the most valuable players. How many of you in this room, don't raise your hand, you ministered to my son Dylan, who's now a pastor in Riverside, New Guinea. You ever think about that? Remember when he was just a little dummy? <laughs> but this is what you're doing. You don't know who you're going to lead to Christ that's going to influence so much. Never forget that. Never forget. When you're out there teaching those kids, never forget that. You're important. Now, <clears throat> the third thing, and here it is. And we got a lot of scriptures to read. I'm going to read them fast to get to my points now. The genuine article, genuine faith, publicly confesses Christ and willingly, and, and willingly suffer for that confession. You willingly suffer for the confession of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this. If you're a non-Christian, just think about this for a second. Why would these disciples, many of them, die for faith? If it was a lie... If they made it all up, why are they all dying for their faith? You say, well, here's the, I know what you're going to say. Okay. Well, today a lot of people die for their faith. They do this. And I, yeah, they're dying for what they believe. These guys died for what they saw. There's a big difference there. Because if they didn't saw it, see it, <laughs> then why would they die? I mean, at least one of them would say, hey, it's just a joke, man. 
<laughs> Jesus didn't rise. He made it all up. But historically, nope. Uh-uh. They, they, they went down. They, they were murdered. They were killed for their faith. They suffered for that confession. Now, look at verse 22 and 23. Read it with me. One, two, three. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damas- by Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Can you imagine? This guy was a murderer Christian. Now he's standing up and proving it all. Verse 23. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. And by the way, how is he able to defend the faith like that? Because the man knows the Old Testament, does he not? He knows the, the, the 300 prophecies. He knows all these things. He knows all the prophecies that point to the death of Jesus. He's standing up and he's just spitting them out now, man. Can you imagine? This guy can defend it because he knew that Old Testament. Now, he's willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. Now, let me say it again, what I said earlier. I think I said it. Saul is now suffering. And he is experiencing the experience that he gave to other followers of Christ when he was persecuting them. You follow that? I'm going to tell you honestly. When it comes to persecution, suffering for Jesus, the confession of Jesus, I don't think it's going to get easier in America. I just don't. I think it'll be a little tougher. And so you have to be empowered by the Spirit of God. You've got to be filled with that Word of God regularly. You've got to be walking in these things and get that boldness of God in you by the power of the Spirit because it's not going to get easier. Now, let me read to you because I I, I was thinking, how do I end this? And I thought, I know how to end it. Let's go back in time and, and, and let's look at genuine faith. Let's look at, at what's written about people from the past. Okay? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, good. Let, let's go to um, 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 Hebrews chapter 11. Now watch this. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. I just like it. I'm only going to pick up at verse 32. We could read the whole chapter 11 because it's called the Hall of Faith. That's termed that way. And it talks about the great people of the past. These are Old Testament believers, saints. They never even got to experience Jesus. They're, they died waiting for him. Look at verse 32. I'm going to rapid fire through it so you guys in the AV room go with me. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection and others experienced mockings and scourgings yes also chains and imprisonments they were stoned they were sawn in two they were tempted they were put to death with the sword they went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted ill-treated men of whom the world was not worthy wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground all these and all these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised in other words Jesus hadn't come yet because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they would not be made perfect now 12 verse 1 watch what he says what the writer says because 12 1 goes right with it it says therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says, look guys, you're going to face stuff. But you have a great ancestry of believers, these people of faith that face so many things and they plow through persecution and suffering. And they didn't go, oh my, you know, this didn't happen, so I, I just can't worship God or go to church. Come on, man. They plowed through. And it says, we, verse 1 of chapter 12, we have a great cloud of witnesses. And I thought it, and I thought it, and I thought it, and I thought it, and I was thinking about this yesterday. I go, God, there's something else you want to say in this. And here's what it is. How many of you, like me, 
You love going to the high Sierras. I love it. I love these mountains back here. I've run up and down the whole California area. I love it. I've backpacked many of those trails. Now, those of you in the high Sierras, and those of you who like the desert too, out in the middle with no lights, whatever, you know, you know this too. But I've stood up there, and I've been to Whitney, 14,500 feet. But I've also camped at about 12.4 at the Whitney, what's called trail camp. And I remember going out at about midnight. And I've seen it many times, but this one was the most impressive. And you look up in the night sky, and you see the Milky Way. How many know what I mean? Oh, man. You see the Milky Way, and you see all the stars. And the Milky Way, it looks just like that, like a milky cloud. And it's just a big swath through the sky. And I just sit there and stare at it. It's incredible. Now, it's not really a cloud per se, like we know a cloud. What it is, it's a bunch of stars together that look like a cloud. You and I right now on Earth in the solar system, our sun, we're, our sun is part of the Milky Way. There are billions of stars in that Milky Way. And we're in it right now. And you see this thing across the whole sky, this thing. And then I thought this. We have a great cloud of witnesses. All That cloud, that Milky Way cloud, it's made up of billions of stars. Then I thought, oh, every one of these people in Hebrews, they're an individual star for God because they plow through. They'll suffer for Jesus. They'll be persecuted and they're not going to run and they're not going to give up. And all these stars make up this cloud of the hall of faith, just like the Milky Way galaxy does. And I thought, that is so cool. That is so cool. Now let me read about, now let's zero in on one star. The guy we've been talking about, the guy who hated Christians, the guy who would murder Christians. Saul, who we will know now as Paul, watch his life, watch what he says about suffering and persevering. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. He's being rhetorically sarcastic. I more so. Here's Saul talking about his life now. He's a Christian. In far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. This is all because he's a Christian. Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is, a, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Because I'm going through, I've gone through all this stuff and I'm still thinking about the church and the fellowship and the people. That's the real deal right there, my friends. Now, I got two things. Two things now. What, what kept Saul going amidst all the persecution and suffering? Look, you could argue, well, he saw Jesus, yeah, and he's empowered, yes. But what else? Jesus said, I got something for you to do. See, if you have a do in your life from God, when it gets tough, you'll still do. You won't shift to don't. I remember I read this a long time ago. If you have a, a, a why in your life, why you get up every day, you can withstand any what that comes at you. It's just true. He had to do. He had to do. Now, let, let me finish with a Jim Del Campo goofy illustration. You know that, right? Okay. I try to think of these. This really happened. 
So it was, it was the late 80s. And um, I, I would take my uh, youth ministry uh, students to Mexico. Uh, we would build homes sometimes in like TJ and Rosarito. We'd go to Tecate to orphanages and stuff like that. And when we go into Rosarito or Tijuana to build homes, and they were very, very basic. I don't think of homes like ours. But these were teenagers going there. Late 80s, we go three times a year. Can't go anymore, it's just too dangerous. Um, but I would, as a reward, I would take the students, we'd go, there'd be like 30, 35 students. We'd go down into Tijuana, last day, on what's called the Revolución. How many know what that is? That's that main street in Tijuana where you go shopping, okay? The Revolución, okay? So they're shopping. And um, I would give them a few Spanish words to speak and stuff like that. It didn't help at all. One of the guys in the youth group, he comes back and goes, I got a watch. I bought a Gucci watch for $10. How many know right there there's a problem right there? Gucci watch, $10. So he's wearing it. And if you know Tijuana and the Revolucion, Revolucion, and all the way across the border and the traffic, it's not far, but it can take a little bit of time. So before we got to the border as we're trying to cross, he looks at his watch on his wrist and it's making his wrist turn green. <laughs> his Gucci $10 watch. And what was going on? Well, it wasn't Gucci. It was a knockoff. And whatever they painted it with, it's coming off on his wrist. But why was it coming off on his wrist? Because it was on his wrist and it was rubbing and there was friction and once it started to rub and have friction the paint came off to expose it that it's phony it's fake listen I truly believe we're heading into more difficult times and I think we're going to get more persecution but it's going to be the, the, the tell of whether we are real or not are we the genuine article or not? Are we going to be able to keep plowing forward for the kingdom of God, continue to prove our faith, be in the family of God? Are we going to do that? Are we going to continue in what God wants us to do? Are we going to do that? Are we going to plow through suffering and persecution because we're the real deal? Or is it just going to start to rub and say, well, I'm not the real deal? He took that thing off and he dumped it because it wasn't real. See, we're called to be the genuine article, the real deal. And I think we're living in a time that's proven things out like that. Who's the real and who isn't the real? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for Giving us things in Scripture that show us, am, am I real? Am I the real? What am I here? I pray for you and for me that we stay in this family of God, that we find out what God wants us to do and do it, that we start somewhere in that doing, take the first step. that we continue to follow Jesus in spite of suffering, persecution, for what we believe and what we stand on as truth in the middle of an upside-down world that goes with what it feels and what it thinks and has no moral basis for what it believes except what it feels. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today, I made a statement earlier. Why would these apostles die for a lie? Why? You got to answer that question for yourself. And remember, they did not even believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. None of them ran to the tomb early Sunday morning. They figured that body's still dead in there. Why would they do that? Why would they die for a lie? 
because it wasn't a lie. The creator visited earth in Jesus Christ and he died for our sins. You have to reconcile that one in your mind if you're, a, if you're not a follower of Christ. But let me put it to you this way. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus right now, hey, great, let's do it. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Or if you backslid, you're just not walking with God, it's time to surrender completely. So you can start studying the scriptures, which will help you have advantage in life, as we said earlier, profit, advantage. It'll help you. So if you'd like to put your faith in Christ or rededicate your life, I'm gonna look out right now. I want you, if you'd like to do that, open your eyes, look at me. I'll look back. When our eyes meet, you can close them. Do it right now. Do it right now as I look around the room. Do it now. God bless you. repeat this prayer and you who looked up at me you repeat with us and you just believe all together everyone say it out loud thank you Jesus for loving me enough to die for me I give you my life all of it I surrender forgive me of my sins and I know I'm forgiven of everything. Fill my life with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. God, I pray for everyone who looked up. God, I pray. I pray they walk with you. They live for you. And there's no looking back because this really is life and death. This is where life and death really happens. And we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Gosh, you're so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me this morning. Repeat after me out loud, everybody, with gusto. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. We'll see you when we see you. See you at Bible study on Tuesday night. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.